So this morning, we are continuing on uh, with our series, Abiding into Abundance. Uh, if you remember last week, we started reading uh, John chapter 15, verse 1 to 8. <clears throat> Those of you who are visiting, if you'd like to, the sermons are online if you want to check them out to see what we uh, were talking about last week. But also, um, focusing on this part of Jesus, when he's talking to his disciples in the upper room, it's the night that he's betrayed, the night before he is uh, led away to be crucified, and he's talking to his followers, trying to teach them uh, the last little bit before he is taken, to explain to them uh, some things, some important parts about what it means to follow him. And one of the things that he says, if you remember it from last week, the text he says, I am the vine and you are the branches, talking about this relationship uh, that we have with him and in him. And we were talking about it last week about abiding. That's how we produce this fruit that he was talking about is that we stay close to him. We make our life in him. This is a great series for me. This is one of my favorite things in all of scripture and all of our faith to talk about is our relationship with Jesus. It's one of the most important parts when he says, stay close to me. Actually, literally in the text, it says, abide me or make your home in me. And this week, is, uh, we get into this passage too, and we're going to look at the whole goal, the whole point of this passage, where Jesus is encouraging the church or encouraging the disciples to produce fruit. That's the point. That's the goal of everything he's talking about is be fruitful. And we're going to talk some more about that. But the thing is, I want to be fruitful in my life. I want my life to produce good fruit. I want my life to bless people, I want to see the good things that come from following Jesus in my life, but I also want to help others. I want to produce fruit because I am grateful. I am grateful. I am glad that God has changed my life. I look at the way that I used to live. I look at the way I used to view the world and how Jesus changed my life when I began following him. And so I'm grateful. And so because of that, I want to produce fruit. I want to do the sort of things. I want to obey the things that he's commanded us to do, the guide he's given us for life. I want to live his way. But also I want that way to bless others, to help other people. I want this fruit uh, for my sake, honestly, because I see how it has changed my life in the, or for the good because I follow Jesus. But I also want to produce fruit or to do good things because of, out of gratitude toward God, out of what he's done but also for the sake of our community. I want others to see the way I live, the way that I faithfully follow Jesus, at least to my best ability, and that they would give God, they would give God the glory for that. They would say, you know, there must be something about Jesus because look at the way Christians live. That's my dream, that people would see our lives and say there must be something about Jesus. I want to know more about him. But it, I was thinking about it this week, uh, talking to some about producing fruit, and started, I don't know, I'm kind of one of those people who ask the questions. You know, we, we read, you know, Jesus says, you know, abide in me, uh, I'm the vine, you are the branches, whoever abides in me produces fruit. And I started wondering about fruit. You know, I have this innate sense, this general sense of what he means, but, but what does he mean by fruit? What is fruit in our lives? What is it? Why, why would we want to produce it? And probably most importantly, how? If this is what you want from our lives, Jesus, how do I do it? 
How do I get there? I don't know, have any of you ever wondered about these questions? You know, what, what is fruit specifically? Maybe what is fruit specifically in a general sense, but also what is fruit specifically in my life? Lord, what, does the, what sort of fruit do you want me to produce? See, most of us, we want to produce fruit. We might not phrase it that way, but we want our lives to count for something. We want our lives to help others. And you start hearing this passage, you start reading John 15 here in one, or this passage, it's in your bulletins too. You start reading this and it stirs us up. It stirs our heart. It energizes us. We want to produce fruit. And if we already are producing fruit, we want to produce more. We do it because we want to please God. We do it because we want to enjoy the fruit in our life. Paul, in his letter to the church in Galatia, he said, you know, spiritual fruit is joy, peace, love, kindness. We want to have these things more in our life. Not only that, we want to bless other people by the fruit we produce. We want them to see us and give glory to Jesus. We want them to see the way we live. You know, there must be something to this faith. There must be something here. See, we all need to hear God's word this morning. We all need to hear Jesus teach about fruit, about the fact that we our branches, and he is the vine, and that we need to stay with him. For those of you who are here this morning and you are already fruitful, I pray that you hear this word and you become even more fruitful, even more faithful in following Jesus. Some of you are here and you're wondering, you know, the fruit thing never really made sense to me, or I'm not sure what he means. You know, is, it, is there some class that you have to go to to learn how to produce it or is it some mystical thing what what is fruit how do we do it maybe some of you are here this morning and you are still new you're still just learning about christian faith and you didn't even know that we were supposed to produce fruit let alone what it is or why we'd want to or how we do it maybe some of you are here this morning and you're thinking you know jason my days of producing fruit are behind me as I age, I feel less and less able. I want you to hear the word of God this morning and realize that God still is working in you and through you. That we are never too old to start producing, we are never too old to keep producing fruit. It may change, it will change actually. But regardless of how old we are, whether you're four, year old, four years old, 40 years old, or 80, God desires us to produce fruit from faithfully following him. Thankfully, Jesus speaks to us this morning. He speaks to us about these questions we have about fruit, about the what, the why, and the how. We are the first people to ask these questions. The church has been asking this question for centuries. And Jesus speaks specifically to his disciples about what it looks like, how we do this how we produce fruit, what the fruit should look like, and why. So if you would, open up your Bibles to John chapter 15. If it's easier, you can also open up your bulletins. It's right here in the inside of your sermon guide. Let's read this together. Jesus, he's speaking again to his disciples on the night that he's betrayed. He says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, 
while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes it so it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man, or a woman for that matter, remains in me, and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, they are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given to you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Let's pray that we would hear this word in our lives today. If you would, pray with me. Father in heaven, we give you thanks for your word, Lord Jesus. We give you thanks especially because you taught this directly to us. We pray, Lord God, that you would help us to hear your word this morning. I pray for your help for me, the Holy Spirit, as I preach. But also, Lord, that we would take this word and work it out in our life. God, that we would live this teaching. We pray this in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. So as you read this passage, I've been focusing on it this week, you realize that fruit is the goal. Fruit is the goal of why Jesus is telling his disciples how to produce fruit, what fruit looks like by abiding in him. We produce fruit by abiding and loving Jesus. That's how we produce it. Fruit is the goal of our faith. Does Jesus desire for us that we would be fruitful? So if it's so important that we produce fruit, maybe the first question we might ask is, so what is fruit? You know, Jesus, what is this fruit that you're calling us to produce? Well, part of it comes from the Old Testament. Uh, reading scriptures, uh, you can begin to understand what fruit is by reading what fruit is like in the Old Testament. Jesus calls uh, his, the people of Israel to obey him, to stay close to him. The Lord God calls the people of Israel to be a priestly nation, to be an example nation, to be such a faithful group of people that the nations around them are attracted to God, that they see the way the people of Israel live and they are so impressed that they think, first of all, that Yahweh must be the one true God and that they want to follow him. Speaks, or he speaks of this in Isaiah 60. So Yahweh, speaking through the prophet Isaiah, speaks to his people Israel, says, Arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. Now listen to this. See, darkness covers the earth, and a thick darkness is over the peoples, or the nations. But the Lord, but the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. God's desire is that he would bless the people of Israel and that they would so faithfully follow Yahweh that the nations around them would realize who God is and begin following him too. That the nations would come to their light, the light that God has put on them. The kings to the brightness of their dawn. God's desire is the people of Israel will live so faithfully that the rest of the world will be gathered to God. So, 
He's encouraging, or God is calling these people to be faithful to him. To be faithful to him for two reasons. The first one we've just talked about is for the sake of the rest of the world. That they would realize that Yahweh is the one true God. But also, there's a side benefit too for the people of Israel. God wants them to be faithful to him for their sake as well. Yahweh is saying, stay close to me. Stay close to me so that, one, you don't get misled by all the idols of the nations around you, whether those idols are um, wooden figures of Baal or money or stuff or prestige. He's saying, don't fall for the idols that the world puts up, but rather stay close to God. And it's interesting because God chooses the people of Israel not because of some special thing about them, not, not, they had, not that they had something that was really outstanding that God felt like, boy, I sure want them to be my people. Actually, he says it pretty explicitly in numerous places that it's not because of something they did, but because of his grace, because of who he is. He chose them. And so he chose them to be this example, to be this priestly nation, to draw the rest of the nations to him. See, the trouble is, Israel, like the rest of us, had difficulty being fruitful because they had difficulty being faithful. They weren't so fruitful because at times they weren't very faithful at all. They set up all sorts of idols and refused to follow God. And not only that, but they failed to draw nations because of their unfaithfulness. The people around them saw the way that they lived and thought, you know, I don't really see it. Some people saw it, that's true. Some people realized that Yahweh is the one God, but many didn't. Not only that, but Israel, not only did they not draw the nations, <clears throat> but they actually became uh, very antagonistic towards the nations. As you read through the New Testament, you see the places where Jewish people wouldn't even eat with other people from other nations. So not only were they not drawing, but they began to exclude them, to dismiss them, to avoid them, which was never God's purpose. And so because they were unfaithful to God, they weren't very fruitful. And it's actually in Isaiah too that God, <clears throat> God speaks about this. So this is Isaiah uh, 5, 1 to 7. I'll just read it because it's a bit longer. Listen to this. Listen to some of what we've been talking about, the themes of fruit and vines and branches. Listen to this. <clears throat> I will sing for the one I love a song about his vineyard. My, love, my loved one had a vineyard on a fertile hillside. He dug it up and cleared it of stones and planted it with the choicest vines. He built a watchtower in it and cut out a wine press as well. Then he looked for a crop of good grapes, of good fruit, but it yielded only bad fruit. Now the dwellers in Jerusalem and people of Judah judge between me and my vineyard. What more could have been done for my vineyard than I have done for it? When I look for the good grapes, why did it yield only bad? Now I will tell you what I am going to do to my vineyard. I will take away its hedge and it will be destroyed. I will break down its wall and it will be trampled. I will make it a wasteland, neither pruned nor cultivated, and briars and thorns will grow there. I will command the clouds not to rain on it. The vineyard of the Lord Almighty is the house of Israel and the people of Judah are the vines he delighted in. And he looked for justice, but saw bloodshed, for righteousness, but heard cries of distress. 
the word of God here is speaking about Israel as this vine or this, this um, uh, grapevine that's supposed to produce fruit. But it doesn't. Despite everything that God had done for them, they continue to not produce fruit. And so he says, I'm removing my protection from them. And ultimately, the people of Israel went into exile. Thankfully, God is faithful and he brings them back or he brought them back. But they weren't faithful. They weren't fruitful. So as we start to hear about fruit and begin to get an understanding of what fruit is like from the Old Testament about faithfulness, about how God's interaction with Israel, we get a background, we get a little bit better understanding of what fruit is supposed to look like in our lives. So let me unpack this. What is fruitful, fruitfulness for us today? Fruitfulness is essentially staying and obeying. Staying close to Jesus and obeying the things he's commanded us to do. Obeying the way he's given us to live. Staying and obeying. If we will do that, if we will stay close to Jesus and live the way he wants us to live, blessing comes with that. Marriages that work through even the most difficult thing. Families that stick together even when it's hard. An honest day's work for an honest day's wage. Having a reputation as someone of honor, of integrity, of generosity, of kindness. These are fruits that come up in our life when we follow Jesus faithfully. Not only that, not only do we get the good things that come from living the good life, but also we get good character that comes through following Jesus through the hard things. Sometimes we think of fruit as just the good stuff that happens. Well, I'm here to say too this morning that fruit is the good stuff that happens when we follow Jesus through the bad. It's the character that forms when we follow Jesus through hard times, when it's difficult. It's the humility that comes from being humble, from living life and going through hard things. It's the compassion that comes from knowing what it's like to be wounded to be so hurt and heartbroken. It's the kindness that comes from knowing what it's like to be mistreated. It's the generosity that comes because you know what it's like to go without. These sort of character traits God builds in us or or grows in us like fruit, even through difficult things. So fruit isn't just the good stuff that happens when things are good, it's also the good things that come through going through difficult things. This is the fruit that forms our life. So this is an, starting to get a picture of what fruit looks like. Good in our life. But not only that, but good in our church family as well. Good things that happen here among us. When we care for one another. <laughs> not always perfectly. I'll admit, sometimes you really blow it. But generally as a church, we care for one another. Support one another give each other a ride to the hospital when we need to, bring meals, show up and pray with. You know, we live in a time, and it seems like especially in our community, um, that there is a lot of talk around, you know, I'm I'm spiritual. I don't don't want to be a part of a church or anything. I just want to do my own thing. It was never meant to be like that. Jesus always meant for his followers to be a part of a church. That's what the fruit is supposed to look like. 
being a part of a church family. Now, it's true, you could, I mean, I think it's, it's true, you could be the sole survivor on a desert island and be a faithful follower of Jesus. Yes. In that extreme example, yes. But that's not the way we're supposed to live. We're not supposed to live as followers of Jesus all on our own. We're supposed to be a part of a church family. That we can encourage one another. That we can have faithful friends who will pray for us when things are difficult, who will rejoice with us when things are good, who will challenge us when we are not following faithfully. We need a church family. This is also the fruit that comes from following Jesus faithfully. Not just fruit in our own life personally, but fruit in our church together. When we follow Jesus, when we encourage one another, when we call each other back, when we, when we uh, walk astray. So not only do we have personal fruit in our lives, personal fruit in our church, but also fruit in our community. God desires for us to produce fruit in the community around us. Similar to the way God had called Israel because he loved them, but also because he wanted them to be a model for the nations around them so that the rest of the world would see them and follow God. God desires the same thing for us. God wants a, a real relationship with each of us. He loves each of you. He wants you to know him and follow him. But he also wants you to know him and follow him for the sake of others around you. That they would see your life <clears throat> and how faithfully, how beautifully faithful you are and that they would want to know Jesus too. That they would say, you know, there must be something to this faith. Because look at the way they live. Look at the fruit that comes from their lives. The results. God wants us to live such beautifully faithful lives that other people follow Jesus too. It's one of the reasons why I love John 15, this passage in Scripture. It talks about our lives being changed by staying close to Jesus, abiding in him, making our home in him but it also talks about the missional result of that. That when we stay so close to Jesus, not only are we blessed, but people around us are blessed and they begin seeing who Jesus is. They begin realizing that it's not just a religion, it's not just a group of judgmental people gathering together to sing songs and pat each other on the back, but actually we, our lives are changed because we follow Jesus. We are different people. We live beautifully faithful lives following him. Okay, so that's some of the what. What this faith looks like, the, the, what this fruit looks like in our lives personally, in our church together, and also in our community around us. Okay, the, the question then might be, why do we need to produce fruit? You know, why? I mean, if I am pray and I'm saved, like, why do I need to get so wrapped up about producing fruit? Well, the first thing is one, because it pleases God. And if that were all it did, if all it did, if all of us producing fruit, all it did was please God, that would be enough. But God delights in the fruit of our life, the good fruit of our life. He loves it when we faithfully follow him and it works out well for us and our lives are great. He loves it when we faithfully follow him and other people around us say, you know what? Tell me some more about Jesus because the way you live is appealing to me. I want to know more about it. 
He loves it when we have a good life from following him. And I was thinking about this week that fruit is the downstream result of upstream faithfulness. Listen to that again. Fruit in our life, the fruit that Jesus is calling for, is downstream results of upstream faithfulness. That's how we're fruitful, is faithfully following Jesus. And God loves it when we faithfully follow him. He loves it for our sake. He loves it like a father loves it when your kids do what you ask them to do. And he loves it because it produces fruit not only in our lives but in people's lives around us. So why do we produce fruit? One, because it's God delights in it. But also because it's good for us too. As I already mentioned it, Paul in his, church, or in his letter to the church in Galatians, he said the fruits of the Spirit are joy, peace, kindness, patience, love. These are the sort of things that we want more of in our life. And they come when we follow Jesus. We have this good life. Not that it's always easy. I know that. Some of you have been following Jesus faithfully and things have not worked out. But I believe still that even despite the difficulties you faced, you'd say, you know what, Jason, I still have joy. There's still moments of joy and I am grateful. You see, the culture around us tells us the good life is something different. The culture around us tells us that you get the good life by focusing on yourself, taking what you need. You know, if you have to steal a little, fine. If you have to cheat a little, everybody's doing it. Sleep with whoever you want. Drink, get high, because that's what's fun. Make all the money you can. Life is all about money and stuff. That's what the world around us tells us. That's what it says. No, that's the fun life. You're never going to see a life following Jesus. You're never going to see uh, a good life, a faithful life of Jesus like on a beer commercial. You know, those actors are paid to act like they're having fun. They don't show you the stuff that happens the next day, what they feel like, how horrible it is, and how much they regret some of the stuff that they did. You know, I, I think this following Jesus for me, it is, it is the good life. You know, and it's, uh, for me, like I am grateful. I, you know, my marriage with Tracy and our sons and this life that we live here in the Kootenays, I am grateful for it. And some of you might think, you know, Chase, that's, you know, following God like that, if that's all there is and it's, it's not for me. Like I'm, I'm not a family person. You know, <laughs> you can look at my life and maybe you think, like, that's exactly what I want. I want a family and a home and a beautiful place to live. That happens best when we follow Jesus. But some of you think, you know what, Jason, I am not like that. I'm not the traditional family job sort of person. I'm looking for adventure and following God or, or doing amazing things that matter. And I think about Colleen Nanichuk, who is a part of our church, and she is today flying to Argentina as a missionary. You know, there is all the adventure and excitement you can handle following God too. This good life of following Jesus isn't just 
settling down and having a family, as good as that has been for me, following Jesus means adventure. It means doing amazing things that are amazingly important in other parts of the world. There's a place for everyone in this life following Jesus. So this fruit, the fruit that comes from following him, is not just pleasing to God, it's also good for us. But also it glorifies God. Because when we produce fruit, people around us notice when we produce good fruit. When we produce good fruit, people notice when we're generous, when we give to people, when we're kind. People notice when we slow down to help people that everyone else is just walking by. People notice when we uh, do the right thing, even when it's hard, even when it costs us, people notice. But no one's impressed when we live as hypocrites. Nobody's impressed when we say we follow Jesus and then treat others like dirt. No one's impressed by that. No one's impressed when we hoard all of our cash and refuse to help anybody. No one's impressed when we get so busy and wrapped up in our own lives that we make no time to help others. Nobody's impressed by that. No one's impressed when we say we follow Jesus and then we just act like the rest of the world around us. It doesn't impress anybody. In fact, people think, like, you know, what's the point? If you have to go to church on Sunday, you can't sleep in, and then you just look like the rest of us? Like, why? But people are impressed when we follow Jesus faithfully and we produce fruit, good fruit, the sort of fruit that you don't see very much of these days. When they see fruit in our lives, they're tempted to glorify God. Especially when they come to us and say, you know, I see the way you live and man, you're such a great person. And we say, you know, I wasn't always like this. Or, yeah, I, I don't always feel like a great person. It's my relationship with Jesus that helps me act differently. That keeps me on this, living this way. So they see the way we live and they're so impressed they start thinking, you know, maybe I should follow Jesus too. Maybe I should check this Jesus out. It's exactly what we want. That's exactly what God wants. So we've been talking some about the what. What does this fruit look like? And why would we want to produce this fruit? Some of you might be asking, like, what happens if we don't? And Jesus addresses that here too. He says, if you're not producing fruit, or if you don't produce fruit, so those who don't produce fruits, so they're like branches that fall off and wither and taken up and burned. See, it's interesting because you're reading this passage and you're thinking like, these are branches that were actually at one point in the vine. These branches were connected to the vine. They just didn't produce any fruit. It says his father is like a vine dresser who cuts off these dead branches and burns them up. Now, I know that causes all sorts of issues with about grace and how does this work? Like, do we have to produce fruit to be right with God? And Somehow in this passage, Jesus says, you have to produce fruit. Maybe that fruit is just a simple, something as simple as faithfulness, is just believing in Jesus. But he says, if you're not producing fruit, you're cut off and thrown away. I say this to warn us because Jesus warns us. He says it in the passage here. This isn't Jason's opinion. This is what Jesus is saying. He says it to warn us, to encourage us to produce fruit. 
But I don't think he's saying it to torment us. And let me explain. Warning us is good. Tormenting us with the idea that I'm never good enough is not Jesus. It's not what he's saying here. I know Christians who receive it that way. They think, you know, I, I'm not sure if I'm really doing enough. I'm not sure if I'm saved yet. I need to do one more thing or ten more things. We can never earn our place with God. We are saved by grace through faith in Jesus. We can't earn our way. And this fruit, the most important fruit, is faithfulness in Jesus. Obeying his commands, that's fruit. But you don't have to start a Christian ministry. You don't have to quit your job and go to seminary and become a pastor. You can follow Jesus faithfully. That's the fruit. I say this because Jesus says it and he warns us, but not to torment us. So we've covered a lot of ground so far. We've talked some about the Old Testament and begin to get an understanding of what fruit looks like not only for them, but also for us. Have an understanding now of why we want to produce fruit, but now the big question, the most important question is, How? Okay, Jason, we get it. Fruit's important. We have a better understanding of what it is. How do we produce this fruit? Thankfully, Jesus speaks about that this morning. And this is the important part. So if you were thinking, you know, okay, Jason, I've heard this before. Now's the time to clue back in, (laughs) to join us again. This is the most important part. Because I believe that you want to produce fruit. I believe that you want to be fruitful in your lives. You not only want to see good fruit in your life, but in good fruit in the lives of people around you. You want to please God. You want to experience the fruit in your life, and you want to be a blessing to others. You want people to see, to be drawn to Jesus by your fruitfulness, by your faithfulness. To see that you so beautifully follow Jesus that they want it to. So God, Jesus, calls us to produce fruit, not to manufacture it, not to somehow take it all upon ourselves to produce fruit. Because you can't. I'll just tell you that up front. You can't just produce fruit if you want to. It's not just up to you. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. The branches don't produce anything unless they are in the vine. Jesus says it in this passage. He says, you can't do anything unless you make your life in me, unless you're staying close to me. You can't produce any fruit. So one, we rely on Jesus to produce this fruit. But not only that, but he says the Father trims off all the branches that aren't producing fruit and he trims back the ones that are so they'll produce even more fruit. So even the fruit we produce is based on our relationship with Jesus and the Father in heaven who is cutting us back to be more fruitful. We can't just do this on our own. It gives us a healthy dose of humility that when we see fruit in our lives, it's not just us. It's God's work in us. It's because we are staying in Jesus. That's the one who's producing the fruit for us. But it also helps us focus or help us to put our focus in the right place. If we want fruit, we don't focus on fruit. We focus on faithfulness. Listen to that again. If we want to see fruit in our lives, we don't focus on fruit. We focus on faithfulness. Remember, fruit is the downstream result of upstream faithfulness. Do you remember that? If we want to see fruit in our life, We focus on faithfulness. And Jesus said, if you want to produce fruit, the best way is by abiding in him. It's an old word, means like make your home. 
We might say it today in our language, maybe stay close to Jesus. We talked about this last week of how we stay close through reading God's word, through prayer, through serving other people. That's how we stay close to him. You see, it's kind of counterintuitive because you think, you like, I want to produce fruit, so tell me how to do it. And we focus on the fruit. But Jesus is saying this morning in this text, we focus on fruit, we're going to get it wrong. If you want to be, fruit, if you want to be fruitful, focus on being faithful. And faithfulness takes all sorts of shapes. Don't get wrapped up in the world's idea of faith, or sorry, of, of success. The world will tell us, you know, fruit is lots of people, lots of conversions. It's a ministry with like big dollar signs behind it. That's the world's idea of fruit, of success. I think we're after something way better. We're after faithfulness to Jesus. And the only way you measure that is by the words of Christ. He says, well done, good and faithful service, uh, faithful servant. Faithfulness comes from Jesus, not from all the measurements that the world puts on it. We remain best, stay close to Jesus best when we are staying and obeying. Staying close to him through practices, whether it's prayer or Bible reading or time alone. By staying close to him and by obeying, obeying the commands that he has given us. The commands that he reaffirms throughout his, throughout his ministry and throughout the New Testament. There's actually one command he gives right here uh, in the passage, just a few verses after the passage we've been studying. So we've been looking at John 15, 1 to 8. In verse 10, just a few verses down, he says, You remain in my love by obeying my commands. So that's verse 10. Remain in Jesus' love by obeying his commands. Verse 12 says, I command a new command, I give you love one another. So if we want to stay close to Jesus, we stay by practices like prayer and Bible reading but also by obeying his commands. And the one command he gives right around this passage we've been studying this morning is love one another. So that's what I want you to do this week. Do one thing this week, okay? Hear this word, the word that God is speaking to you, and do one thing this week. Bless someone in our church. At least someone in our church. If you want to bless 10 people in our church and 20 people in our community, more power to you. Please, go ahead. But do at least one thing this month or this week. Find one person in our church to bless. It doesn't have to be elaborate, okay? And some of you might be thinking, you know, Jason, I don't even know who or what. It could be something as simple as an encouraging word. Maybe you just write out a card. Say, I just want to say I noticed this in you. Or I'm thankful for this about you. And you just slip it in their box or mail it to them or hand it to them. Or if you're not a card writer, you just pull them aside. You know, I just want to tell you, I'm encouraged by what you're doing or by the way you live. I'm grateful for you for these reasons. So an encouraging word. The other might be a gift. Maybe some of you, maybe words are hard for you and you feel awkward. And, but you say, you know what? I think this person would love, I saw this little thing in a shop, I think they would love it. And you just give them a gift. It's that simple. Or maybe if you're like, you know, words, no, and I, I don't have any money to give someone a gift, you can serve them. Find some way to help them with something. Just have a conversation. If you hear something they're working on, say, hey, I'd love to help you with that. And show up. 
find one way to bless someone in our church family this week. All right? That's your homework for this week. That's the way I want you to take this word and not just put it in your knowledge, but to live it. To live the command that Jesus has given us to love one another. Imagine if we did this. Imagine what it would look like in our lives if we got this, that we produce fruit best when we are staying close to Jesus. If, we, if it just clicked for us that fruitfulness is the downstream result of upstream faithfulness. And so we were faithful. We, we moved closer to Jesus. Imagine how that would work. Not only in our life, we'd see more fruit in our life. Not only would God be more pleased, not only would we see more fruit in our church family, but the community around us, they would see us living so beautifully, faithfully, so beautifully and faithfully following Jesus that they'd say, you know what, there's got to be something to this Jesus because people's lives are transformed. People are changed. And I want to know more. That's the fruit we desire to see. Imagine the people who have been hurt by Christians having those hurts undone by our faithfulness. Imagine the people who think, you know, I, I, I don't want anything to do with this church or this religion, giving it a second thought because of our faithfulness, because of our fruitfulness. Imagine them showing up here in this church or any church in the Kootenays in droves, because of the fruit we've been producing by faithfully following Jesus. I think that's the sort of fruit God desires, not only in our lives for our sake, but also for the sake of people around us. I think then we would hear Jesus say, well done, good and faithful servant. Amen.